want to start something new. So I was just thinking about what, you know, this story in the, in the Bible and um, all of, if you, if you know the big arc of the Bible story, um, this is when they all come into the promised land and uh, they establish themselves and they have kings and, and then um, they get a little too, um, my grandma would say, big for the britches. Anybody, did anybody else's grandma teach you that? Or they forgot where they came from. So they kind of forgot where they came from. And the next thing you know, um, God sends them all these people to warn them, hey, you guys are missing the mark. I mean, this is, you guys are starting to act like the, the oppressors that you had when you were slaves in Egypt. Now you have your own land, and you're starting to do the same type of stuff. Therefore, warning, warning, and the next thing you know, they're carried off into Babylon. They're captured, and they're all captives. And then um, something happens, and they get to a point where they're, they're freed. And I was just thinking about the, you know, hearing the news that, you know, things are opening up, and... and uh, we're, we're feeling like we're coming out of a long captivity, you know what I mean? And so I'm going to do this series on, I'm going to call it uh, the Comeback Roadshow, all right? The Comeback Tour. And this is, this is if y'all get, read some verses here, this is from the book of Ezra in, in the Old Testament. And uh, probably originally Ezra and Nehemiah were together as one book. But let me just set the stage. There, this is about the coming out of exile, coming out of captivity. And interestingly, I think there's some stuff that we could latch on to that might help us as we think about our own life and our own journey. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to, to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout the realm, and he put it in writing. Now, if you were actually looking in a Bible like mine, uh, the, the next page, it's almost that verse is almost a repeat of the last verse of Second Chronicles. So just, just for grins, let me orient you in the Bible story. So they go into the promised land, and everything is good for a while. Um, but then, because they aren't following the path, uh, things start to fall apart. There's division. Um, there's a civil war between the north and the south. And uh, things just start to deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate until it gets to the very, very end. And this is like the lowest point in the story. All of that promise, all of that hope is carried away into Babylon. So they've been there for a long time. People are depressed. People are low. Um, one of the songs is, was written, it, it talks about we sat by the rivers of Babylon and we wept. It's this idea that they're in captivity Things aren't right, and there's a feeling of sorrow. 
um, a lot like people have felt probably over this past year for different reasons. But things just aren't right. Can't be with family the way they wanted to. Th things were disrupted. Some people lost their jobs. Uh, people lost their income. Some of it was drastically reduced. Everything seemed to be turned upside down. These people were taken out of their homes, out of their neighborhoods, away from their center of worship, and carried all the way across the desert into a foreign land. But, it says, God moved the heart of the king. His name was Cyrus. And I think this is perhaps a little bit helpful for some of us who get weary and waiting when things aren't right in our life. So they've been sitting there, they don't know when. When, are, when will things get better? When are they going to turn around for us? And all it took was for God to just knock on the heart of this king. Isn't it true when you think about your own life? No matter how difficult it is, you are always this far away, this far from an absolute turnaround. God can speak to one person. God can knock on one person's heart. One letter, one thing could change. One email could go out. One person could see your resume. You just don't know. One little, one little thing can turn the whole story around. Have you ever seen this happen in your life? You didn't know, and out of nowhere, God opens a door. And when God opens that door, then now the opportunity is there for all these people to come back. Now, you have to think about it. Why would this king, who has all these people in servitude to him, allow them to return? doesn't make sense. But what the scripture says is that God moved his heart. You know, God can move people's hearts. God can speak to people's hearts. And when God does that, then all of a sudden, everything else starts to roll downhill. And it says, this is what, verse 2, the king of Persia, Cyrus, says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem. Any one of his people... Um, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem in Judea and build the temple of the Lord. So if you were to back up the story, when Israel was taken captive, they came in, they burned the temple to the ground. They, they burned down every important building in the city of Jerusalem. They tore people out of their homes and they knocked down the walls around the city. It was complete devastation. And when they come out of Jerusalem, or when they come out of captivity, the first thing that they focus on is we got to build the temple. We got to get the temple. Why is that? What does that matter for you and me today? What's so important? If you could go back a little bit further, before they had a temple, a building, they had a tent or a tabernacle. Who went to Sunday school? couple of you, all right, that's three of us, all right, here we go. Um, when they came out of Egypt as slaves, they had this tent they built, and that was the place where they went, it was called a tent of meeting, where they met with God, right? And so it was a special place, and that particular tent was located at the center of all the other tents. 
So symbolically, geographically, right, relationally, this tent was in the middle of their community, which later on became a temple. It was the center. It was the heartbeat. It's where everything kind of revolved around. Do you know what I think? I think the first thing we need to do as you sit back and evaluate your life and think about what's happening and transition of jumping back in, here's the thing to think about. Renewing your core. Renewing your center. Everybody has a center. Everybody has something that drives them, right? The core of you. In Proverbs it says that the heart is the core. Uh, Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. So it's a great time to focus on the core. What's most essential? I mean, there could have been a thousand projects to come back into Jerusalem. They could have started, you know, with the armory. They could have started, you know, with the gardening center. They started with the, what? Temple. Because they thought the temple was the core. Now, if you were to modernize this story, update it, by the time we get to the Apostle Paul, Paul writes things like this in 1 Corinthians. You, you are the temple of God. Think about that. This was the, the place, by the time Jesus comes along, this temple had been knocked down and replaced, and then after Jesus, about 30 years after Jesus, that temple in Jerusalem is finally taken down. And Paul starts to change people's thinking. You know, you don't have to go to a building to find God. I mean, you're happy for that. You don't have to go to a special place. You don't have to go to a special location. But you are the temple of the Spirit of God. What is most important when you transition, you come out, is you got to reestablish. Think about this. Reestablish what is core, what is central in your life. Everybody needs a core central. And may I throw out a recommendation? Let Christ be the core. Be the center of your life. Now, if some of you are here or you, you brought your, you know, your, your, your cousin Bob or someone's watching online, like, you know, thank you for the Christ thing, but I'm, I'm over that or I'm, I'm not doing that. Hold on for a minute. <clears throat> Just for a minute. First of all, you probably don't know what you're saying no to, but we'll get to that. But think about that one actually for a minute. You probably really don't know what you're saying. No, you're saying no to something that you heard about and overheard second and third hand information about. And, but that's okay. We'll hold on to that for a minute. You need something bigger than yourself at the center. You and I we need something that's larger than us. So if Christ doesn't work for you for now, find something. By the way, it'll point back to Christ eventually, but I don't need to argue with you there. Just, it's got to be bigger than you. Because they come back, 
they need something, they need something to pull them together, something to draw us in. Do you see what? You know what people are struggling so bad? Because they're losing their center. Now, these people had lost the temple before the temple actually fell. It was to a point things were so bad that it was just a building anyway. And if it's just a building, or if this is just something to do on Sunday, it, it kind of doesn't matter anyway. But if you get to the core, the core is that my life needs to be bigger than me. Christ, or as Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is something that needs to be bigger than you. And I get it. I hear all the time this young generation, you know, they're over it. They're over God. They're over Jesus. They're over the whole thing. But trust me, they'll come back. Because listen, you, everybody gets to a point and you need something bigger than you. They were wise to start with the core. We need Christ. Now, God is stirring this king behind the scenes. The people come back and they start. But here's the thing I want you to pay attention to. It says in this story, not only did God move the heart of the king, but God moved the hearts of the people. Not everybody went back to rebuild. So think about this. A lot of people stayed. They stayed in captivity. A lot of people will stay in captivity for a little supermarket. That's your favorite word. I want to go to the supermarket. I have no idea where she learned supermarket. They, they, they know things. They're comfortable there. But it says in the story that... that Certain people, their hearts were moved. And they said, no, we have to get back. We have to get back. We have to rebuild. And when they come back and they start to rebuild, it was with the people whose hearts were into it. This is the only thing that matters. Is your heart into it. If you've ever been on a team, organization or sports, you know how true this is. Give me two people whose hearts are into it over 20 people whose hearts are not into it. Is this a, I've worked with teams, I've worked on teams, and, and I'm telling you, you can't pay someone money to put their heart into their work. Either their heart's into it or their heart is not into it. But if their heart's into it, man, you can get a lot done. And so when they start to rebuild, the first thing is, whose who's heart's into it? That is, who's been moved? And they come back, and they start with the altar, which is the center, the core of the core of the temple. And they start to build. They start to work. You know, we got to get back to our core. We got to get back. 
I mean, I'm sure they had enough time in captivity to ask themselves all kinds of questions. Where did we go wrong? Where did we lose it? Where were we missing it? We have had a plenty of time to ask ourselves some very important questions about our life, about our faith, about our community, about our world. And we need to ask some good questions. But one of the questions should be, where are we going wrong? Who here has found over the past year, there is some stuff that you don't do anymore and you don't ever need to do again? Isn't that funny? You, you, some things happen and you can start to separate the wheat from the chaff just like that. All of a sudden you realize, well, this matters and this probably not so much. This is core, this is not. Jesus used that example of uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. They would just take a little, a little tool and they would throw it up, the grain up, and the, and the wind would blow the chaff away. This is a great opportunity for that, for us. Just let the chaff go. Let the unnecessary things. And they, Israel had to come back and realize what the temple was about. It wasn't a building. It was about their core. And Christ at the core, Christ at the center. And their, are you ready? Their responsibility in the world. They were to be a light. They were, they were supposed to be a beacon. Uh, they were supposed to be an example. They were supposed to be a blessing all the way back to Abraham. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. But they forgot the you will be a blessing part, right? And everybody on their refrigerators in Israel just cut the verse in half and said, I will bless you and I will make you great. And if they had bigger refrigerators, they could have added the rest of the verse, and you will be a, what? Blessing. God was using them as an instrument to bless the world. And because they had forgotten that responsibility, they had been carried off because they were no longer useful. Part of the core is coming back to, guess what? We have a responsibility in our world. You know, I hear so much about everyone's rights. And fair enough, like, I want everyone to have rights. Believe me, every human being, everyone, have the same right. No question, no question. I said, don't question. Everyone should have Right, rights, rights, rights. That's somewhere along the line. Somebody needs to stand up and say, we need to take responsibility. Isn't that funny? A whole generation grew up and all they heard about were their responsibilities. And now a generation's growing up and all they hear about are their rights. Is this going to go well? <laughs> it's not. Call me a prophet or send me a bad email, whatever you want to do, it's not going to go well. It's not. You can't just tell a person, this is your rights, your rights, your rights, your rights. I will say the last time, everybody, everybody needs equal rights. Done. Game, set, match. Everybody with me on that? Everybody. No questions asked. 
But the problem is, it's just drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. And what a generation before grew up on, or at least it seems like my grandpa's generation was, this is your responsibility. And this is your responsibility. And by the way, so is this, and so are the 79 other things over here. And they grew up feeling responsible. The people lost their sense of responsibility. And with that, they lost their sense of purpose and their destiny and their meaning. Now, now they were not God's people to do something in the world. The core means that God was going to bless them so they, they could be a blessing to others. I think we could use this year. I think we could use it as a year to shake out all the chaff, to renew what is central, what is core, our faith, our trust in God, our sense of responsibility, and a community. Community, being togetherness. Now, I understand we had to do creative community for a while. That's understandable, and we have to be creative. But so, listen carefully, carefully to this. If anything that we learned, we need to learn this. We need each other. We were built for each other, to be together, to sharpen each other. And guess what? We don't all agree on everything. And that's okay. Who here agrees with everybody in your family about everything? I just love to come to your house because it's all serenity. You know? You know the kids just prefer the other child. And, you know, I know how it goes. You get your kids all organized. Don't you love organizing your kids? And then, and then you just tell them what to do. And then they all, they all prefer one another. And it's all beautiful. No one ever has... You know, there's always going to be... There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be differences. There's, but, but community's deeper. And these people, they, they had to come back together. And we need community. We need to be together. And now more than ever, you start to see like, oh, and trust me, I've had so many experiences this year pastoring, uh, I, I should write the pastor's COVID book. And, you know, there's something not right about sitting on a screen and doing a funeral. That everything in your insides and the people just say, this isn't right, this isn't right. This was something that comes at the core of what it means to be a human is that we need each other. We need this interaction. And so the, the people, as they came back together, the, the community, there was this laughing, and they start to build, get this, and they start to build, and people are just shouting. They're so happy. They just start shouting. And, and then other people, as they start to build, they're weeping. And there's all this outpour of emotion. You get it? Because now it's time. 
I was reading a person that I, I respect very much, and just listen to this. He said, once a person gets isolated, once a person gets isolated, they're not far from being mad, as in mentally or evil. It's an interesting thing. Doesn't mean if you went on a retreat in the woods, you're a wacko. I'm not saying that. Listen, once a person were to pull themselves away from other people and continue to isolate themselves, all right? I'm not talking about the fact that you had to do something medically. For, you get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this woke us up again, if, as if I haven't said this before, to how vital community is in your life. And if you pull away and pull away and isolate and isolate, can you tell yourself some crazy stuff? Wait a minute. You're going to participate. Can you tell yourself some crazy stuff? Man, you can tell yourself some crazy stuff. You're by yourself, and you don't say it out loud, and no one there to bounce it off of, and someone like, are you, what are you talking about? No, you say it in your head, because you're the only one there. And the next thing you know, you say it in your head so many times that you start to believe it. You're, you're putting in details to this crazy story that you've made up in your head. And why do we need other people? Because you bump into somebody else and you go, man, that's crazy talk. Man, you're just out, you're out there a little bit. Just bring it back. Which is why you don't need an echo chamber in your life either. Uh, let me just meddle a little bit and then I'll back away. You know how like, the doctor gets a little cl- too close to a nerve and he says, it's going to hurt a little bit, and then just, my doctor does that. Well, I had to get, a, I had to get, a, I had to get drilled on this week, and he goes, it's going to be like this. Z- z- ouch. You ready? So I'm going to do that. Are you ready? You want to get up and leave, anybody? It's going to be, z- z- and then this is going to hurt. You don't need an echo chamber. Are the, the algorithms, all the things that are being set up on your computer, and all, they're telling you, they're reinforcing to you. Like somewhere along the way, I clicked on Bryson DeChambeau, right, because he's got this massive golf swing or whatever. Now, every time I open my iPad, it thinks I want to hear about Rambo. I got it. He's big and he's a long way. I get it. Is anybody with me? And now I'm going to feed you the same. I'm going to feed you. You're being the same stuff. You don't need to be fed the same stuff. That's not community. Should I back away now or should I keep going? Yeah, tell the other team that. You need this. And all of this isolation, it's a, it's a, it's a form of isolation is all it is. And people can do this. They pull away from each other. And then the sense of community is lost because there's no subtlety. There's no gray. There's no nuance. There's no groove. There's no dance. There's no give. There's no take. It's isolation island. And that's damaging. Don't you know... Don't you know 
In the early church, if you read, you can go home and read 1 Corinthians today. These people got into these camps and like, well, I'm for Paul. You know, I like the way Paul says it. I like the way Paul does it. And then there were people like, you know, I'm for Peter, Cephas, they call him. I'm for Peter. And then there's another teacher that we don't know as much about. His name was Apollos. And other people were like, I like Apollos. And so Paul writes a letter, and he's one of the camp leaders, by the way. He could have said, yeah, follow me. Paul goes, it's not about Cephas, Apollos, me. It's bigger. It's bigger. I'll tell you that one, two, three. It's bigger. It's bigger. Paul is Apollos. What is Paul? Only servants. He's like, I get a little truth. I share it. So this guy does. Uh, one plants the seed. Another one waters the seed. It's God that makes it grow. He's trying to say it's bigger than all of this. And then look what he does at the very end. Just He goes, so no more boasting about men. Let's just stop talking about these camps. Wouldn't it be good if we stopped talking about people? Oh, my word. I'm in so much trouble today. Wouldn't it be great if it was bigger? I'll go over here. Hostile crowd. Wouldn't it be great if it was beyond? If it was bigger? He goes, they were divided. The early church were divided. Like, this is the right team. This is the... Paul goes, no more boasting about men. All things are yours. All things are yours. What was he saying? He goes, you, you can get something from this person. You can learn something from this person. You can learn something from this team. You can gain a perspective from them. Is it so? He goes, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas... Or the world, you can learn something from the world. It's kind of a lot of stuff included in that, wouldn't you say? How many know we need to expand our tent a little bit? Expand the tent. Just say, just say, expand the tent. Just widen the tent, man. Just widen it out. Just let a few more people in. So he goes, that's Paul, that's Cephas. Then he goes, there's the world. That's yours. You can learn anything. He goes, how about expanding it more? Life, death, the present, the future. He's just trying to throw everything in there. He says, it's all of Christ, and Christ is of God. Some people got... Christ down to this much. I have the, the truth. I know the truth. Me and my team, me and my people, and it's this much. And Paul said, no, it's actually it's this much. Huh. When they were carried into captivity, I, I got to, oh, I'm done. Um, when they were carried into captivity, I am done. They, they took not only did they take the temple apart, they took all the treasury. They took everything. You know, they took, they had all these, these special, you know, 
gold bowls and utensils and all of these things, and they, and they, they took them all. But guess what? When uh, Cyrus lets them return, he's, I'll paraphrase how it happened, but basically he's, hey, could you guys go just check and see, did, can you go down to archives and, you know, aisle eight, and did we take anything when we took over that country? Seventy years later, and they go down there and go, yeah, actually, we got a clipboard here. And they said, why don't you hand it to the boys as they're leaving, and girls? Why don't you? You know what a lot of people say? They focus on, this is what I lost this year. This is what was taken. This is what I missed. This is, and here's what I got news for you. I got good news for you. No one can ever take anything from you. God just sets it aside on a shelf. Huh? Stop panicking. Stop worrying. Stop fretting. Stop emailing people. No one can take anything from you. God just puts it on a shelf. And he just sets it up for you. And then he just hands it back to you later. Here you go. No one can take anything from you. If God is for you, who could be against you? Don't worry about people so much. Uh, everybody's did you hear? Did you, did you know? Did you? And I, here's what I always tell people. Who cares? I'm trusting God. He's just putting all my treasures on a shelf for me. Huh? And at the right time, what will he do? Just pull them down. Here you go. Treasures on aisle seven. Waiting for you. Faith transcends all this other stuff. All the other things that are happening, faith transcends it. Because you have this sense that God's at work here. God can move the heart of a king. God can open up the storehouse. God can bring the treasures back out. God can do any of this. All I have to do, ready? All I have to do is start at the center, start with the temple, right? And get my heart in the game. Get my heart in the game. It was all the people who went, whose hearts were moved. I want to. So I want to ask you, you know, get your heart in it. Some people got a little dull in their heart. It's time to get your heart back in it. Into your life, into your community, into your faith, into your church family, into your friendships. Put your heart back in.